Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Are you in a situation where you've done something that hurts your marriage, hurts your spouse, and yet your spouse somehow seems unable to get past it? I mean, you accept responsibility for what you did. You're sorry that you hurt your spouse, and you want to put things back together. Maybe not like it was before, but you actually want it to be better than it was before. But the hurt you see in your spouse's eyes hurts you. And at times, sometimes your spouse just explodes in anger, sometimes toward you, sometimes toward other things. And you've asked to be forgiven. And you've said how sorry that you are. Yet, you know, your husband or wife so far isn't reacting as you had hoped they would react. Maybe they said that they can't forgive you, that they just can't get past it. Or maybe, maybe they haven't made a decision, but their actions lead you to believe that when they do, it wasn't going to be a good decision for you. Well, is there something you can do? Are there any magic words or action? <laughs> the answer to that is no, there is no magic. But you understand there are some things you can do, and I'd like to share a couple of ideas with you if I may. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Helper Radio. This is a program where we take calls and interact with people all over the world who have calls and questions about their relationships. If you'd like to call us here, our telephone number is 657-383-0812. That's in the USA, so the area code or the country code, I should say, would be 1 or 01. 657-383-0812. When you call and you hear the answer, press that number 1, and that puts you in the queue to have your call screened. And that's the way, finally, you can get here on the air with me, and we can discuss with each other. But first, let me speak to what I was just talking about. You want your spouse to forgive you, but somehow, for whatever reason, it appears that he or she has not yet done so. And maybe it's not just an appearance. (laughs) Maybe they've actually said that. I just can't do it. Okay, well, if you want them to forgive you, remember this, because it's crucial. The person who has been hurt is the one who has the right to decide whether to forgive or not. Now, as you proceed through the process of influencing them to forgive you, keep that principle in mind. It's not your choice. It's their choice. And as I typically do when I open this program, I'll give you a couple of don'ts before I give you a couple of do's. And when it comes to wanting to be forgiven by your spouse, here's some things we ask you not to do if you really want to accomplish this. If you want to influence him or her to forgive you, number one, don't try to force forgiveness. Because that's what I just said. It's your hurt spouse's decision to forgive you. Don't try in any fashion to beg, manipulate, or force your spouse to say that they forgive you. If you do, you actually get a strong indication that you're not sorry for what you did, nor are you willing to accept consequences of your actions. See, it's hard for people to forgive when they feel the other person isn't truly sorry and penitent for their actions. Now, you may have had occasions in your life where someone hurt you, 
And when you confronted them about it, the reply was something to the effect that, nah, just get over it. Did you feel that they were sorry for hurting you if that happened to you? Yeah, probably not. And that makes it that much more difficult for you to get over what happened. Now, while it's not exactly the same, pushing your spouse to forgive you when they're still writhing in pain can lead them to feel that you aren't sorry for hurting them, that you're thinking about you, not them. So when you try to wheedle forgiveness from your mate, the most likely result is that they will feel that you don't really understand the degree of their pain and therefore that you aren't really sorry for the behavior that caused that pain. Now, I'll explain more about that when I get to the three do's in a minute, but let me get to the second don't. If you want your spouse to forgive you, also do not appear to blame your spouse for what you did. You see, if you put your marriage back together, there'll come a time when you and your spouse will discuss the whys of what happened. Well, when that time comes, it's crucially important that you never in any way appear to justify what you did based on what your spouse did or didn't do. And for example, if you were involved with another person, you won't help yourself find forgiveness if you were to say something such as, well, if only you'd been there for me when I needed you, maybe I wouldn't have needed what I found with the other person. <laughs> if you want to be forgiven, don't say things like that. Even if you feel that it's true, this is not the time to talk about it, and certainly not the time or the way to explain it. You see, when you assign blame, even if you don't think you're assigning blame, but when you assign any of the blame for your actions on your spouse, in their eyes, you abdicate your own responsibility. Well, at least to some degree. Okay? Now, if you think that saying something about your mate's contribution to your actions will cause your spouse to feel guilty and therefore feel that they need to forgive you to get past their own guilt, you've just done what we strongly advise again in the very first point. You're manipulating your spouse to forgive you. Now, even if that works in the short term, even if they say they forgive you, it's probable that it planted a seed of resentment in your mate. And the more they think about it, the unhappier that they get. And if they tell their family or friends what you said, you know that these folks are going to reassure them that you're the one who did the wrong and that your spouse should deeply resent you in any way trying to share the blame of them. Okay, here's the third don't. Don't appear to justify your actions in any other way. If you did something wrong, if you made a mistake, if you made an error, even if it was a mistake, it was not a mistake, you knew what you were doing, take responsibility for it and do not try to remove responsibility from yourself by offering excuses as to why it happened. People are much more likely to forgive you when you honestly and openly accept responsibilities for what you did. It's not a given that they'll forgive. Sometimes they won't, but it does create a greater possibility that they will forgive when you take responsibility for your actions. Now, in my work with thousands of couples, I've witnessed it many times. A person who messed up has a much greater chance of being forgiven and repairing the relationship when they don't hem or haw. Don't give one excuse after another, for that matter, even one excuse. Saying, yes, I did it. I knew better. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. It's powerful. Well, it's not magic. And the other person may still choose not to forgive you, but it definitely increases the likelihood that they will. Okay, those are the three don'ts. Let me give you the three do's then. If you want your spouse to forgive you, do this. Number one, if you haven't been caught yet, 
and you worry whether your spouse will forgive, you're better off to stop the behavior now and probably better off to tell them now. Uh, No, that sounds crazy. However, as much as it'll hurt to hear it from you, it'll hurt a whole lot more if they find it out some other way. So if your mate already knows, they'll ask questions. And you may think that you can limit the damage if you admit to those things you figure they'll find out. But you lie about those things you figure they won't find out. That's very risky logic. It happens all the time that the very thing that you thought they'd never learn about is the one thing that they definitely stumble upon. And that someone uh, or that something tells on you. Now, if you lie about anything and your spouse discovers a lie, you'll lose all progress that you've made and you'll move backwards a long way. Now, don't give the gory details. No one benefits from that. But if your spouse asks those kinds of questions, the things that ask for details, like did you blank that other person, and you can fill in the blank with whatever you want, we recommend that you immediately book time with one of our coaches (laughs) who can help the two of you understand why it isn't wise to ask or answer that kind of question. Well, I don't have time to explain more about that here. But understand that even as you admit and confess, there are some questions you really need to get some help with, because when you answer those questions that paint a picture and that create a visual, that can work against you. And and by the way, if you want to talk to one of our coaches about that, you can contact us at toll free at 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. The second do is to say that you're sorry. Now, if you're sorry that you did what you did, Tell your spouse, but say it with sincerity. If you feel emotions as you tell that you're sorry, then allow those emotions to show. No, no, not acting. That's always bad. Don't pretend. Don't conjure up things you don't really feel. But if you do feel, let yourself feel it when you talk. Don't hold back. Now, a bit of caution here. When you're saying that you're sorry, don't repeatedly again and again tell your spouse about how sorry you are that you did what you did. In the first conversation, you may say it a few times, but after that, maybe once or twice in the coming days, but if it feels appropriate to do so, but in that relatively soon, saying over and over again that you're sorry. Why? Because you can and likely will program your spouse and yourself to think of you as being no good, being worthless, being untrustworthy. If you keep on saying how sorry you are, So make it clear that you're sorry, but don't wallow in it. And if the subject comes up again, rather than repeatedly apologizing or castigating yourself, sincerely and with humility say things such as, well, I learned a lot from what happened. I hate that it occurred, but now I know and I can never do it again. I'll know how never to do it again. So you indicate that you understand and that you've not started justifying your behavior, but you don't keep beating yourself up either. And here's the third do. Make yourself trustworthy. You see, asking for forgiveness is a step. Demonstrating that you live in a way that won't hurt your spouse again is the journey. And so to ensure that your mate knows that the future will be far different than the recent past where you did the harmful thing, make yourself explicitly and convincingly accountable. Let your spouse know Where you go, when you go places, don't hide your emails or your phone calls or your texts. Be an open book. Live as you would 
if you are, well, if you were a teenager proving responsibility to your parents. No, I know adults can't live like that forever, and, but maybe not even for a year, but you can do that long enough that your mate can find assurance in your openness. Well, there are a lot of other things I just don't have time to explain. I hope that you heard those three don'ts and those threes do because they're very practical. And if you want your spouse to forgive you, I would suggest that you do those things where you don't cry to force your spouse to forgive you, that you don't appear to blame your spouse for what you did, and you don't appear to blame anybody else or anything else for what you did. You take responsibility, and which means that you do. You do admit it, and you confess it. You take responsibility for it. You do tell them that you're sorry. Now, like I said, I've just touched the hem of the garment here, the, the surface. Everything I said is important, and I do urge you to do them. If you want to know more, visit our website at marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com. Check out the hundreds of free videos that we have on youtube.com slash marriagehelper. Again, all one long word, marriagehelper. You see, forgiveness doesn't occur in a day, maybe not even in a month, but it can happen. So rather than focusing on what your spouse should be doing, focus on you. And these points I just talked about will help you do that. Okay, well, it's time now to move on to our callers here, and we're going to see uh, what we can do. Let's see. We're going to talk first here to uh, Donna, who is in Michigan. Hi, Donna. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Bean. Thanks for taking my call. I'm doing okay. Good. It says here that you, uh, your husband's trying to get you to agree on a settlement before the divorce. Is that what you're calling about? Yes, it is. So he had filed for divorce back in January, and he called it off in May, and I was over the moon. I was so relieved and happy, and things were going well, but he did refuse to do any sort of counseling or reconciliation class, and I kind of got the impression that it was just to avoid the consequences the divorce because it was not working out well for him um, mm -hmm. and things kind of came out that did not look good for him as far mm -hmm. as what his motivations were so now you know we haven't been fighting I've been doing smart contact and working on my pies and mm -hmm. he's been doing projects around the house and I've really felt like things are looking great and then now he's just saying, I'm unhappy. He's saying that he's bitter because I won because he called off the divorce. And now he's just demanding, you know, he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to file. You need to write a budget. You need to figure out what you want because I'm not going to go into this blind again. And so I, let me make sure I understand I, what I you're saying. What you're saying that he's now threatening to divorce you because he didn't get what he wanted. Is that what you're saying? Yes. He says he's unhappy. He says, I got everything I wanted just by virtue okay. of him calling off the divorce. And he okay. says that he's just unhappy. Okay. So how and can I've been I help trying you to make What can I do for you? Well, what I really want advice on is, I mean, I realize I can't stop him if he wants to file, mm -hmm. but he's, I want to do everything I can to influence him to not file again. Mm -hmm. And then also w with what he's asking right now is um, he's demanding that I write up a budget and that we kind of come up with a settlement together before he actually files. Okay. Now I'm I, confused here. I, I thought you said that you already had some kind of agreement. Did I miss, did I misunderstand? No, that? 
yet no there is no agreement he's trying to demand that i so so how did you get what you wanted and he didn't if you didn't have an agreement that's what i'm missing he means simply by calling off the divorce he says that i won because i do not want to be divorced so there's yeah, no so agreement for like to do this, off. that, or the other, but now he's trying to get you to come to an agreement. Do you want to go to an agreement? No. Okay. No. And, and I, so I feel are like you're saying true. that if you don't do the agreement, that you think that will keep him from filing for divorce? Is that what you're saying? I think, I think if I do come up with an agreement, it would make it a lot easier on him to follow through with it. Okay. So he's upset because there is no agreement. He's upset because he thinks he's been taken advantage of, but you think that if you don't somehow try to compromise with him, that that's going to change, that he's going to continue to be married to you, even though he's frustrated with this? Probably not. I think he's going to do it regardless. It's just, Mm -hmm. I feel he's trying to talk me into a situation where he will have control. Let's see. Like, and I don't blame you for not wanting him to do that, not one bit. And so if you were to work out some kind of a agreement, a budget, let's just start there, work out some kind of a budget, are you strong enough? And you sound like you are. Are you strong enough that you would make sure that it benefited you in every way it needed to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Just, in my heart, I feel like he's trying to talk me into doing something that I am completely morally opposed to. And I am 100% opposed to divorce. Okay. And I'm, I'm on your side. I'm against divorce too. I want to help people every way I can to work things out. But I heard you say just a couple of minutes ago that, that you think he's going to divorce you no matter what. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And so actually what I'm hearing you say is that you're trying to find a delaying action that you don't think you can stop it but you think you can delay it by not cooperating with him? Possibly, yeah. Okay. And if I may ask very quickly, why does he want out? Why does he want to not be married to you anymore? What's the basic reason? Um, well, this all started in fall of 2018. He, it came out of the blue. He told me that he was not happy. He was unfulfilled. And mm-hmm. I was trying everything I could you know, I, I thought we had a great life. We didn't fight often. We have great kids, mm-hmm. great job, great house, like everything. And I was floored because it went against everything that okay. he and ever what, what did he say was wrong? For. I mean, is, is there something he's trying to go to or is there something he's trying to run from? There were some very suspicious circumstances with a woman at work and he denied all of it. Mm-hmm. And then through the divorce process, that he started in January of this year, I actually got, you know, without snooping, it was just part of some financial subpoenas, mm-hmm. you know, that we had to do. I got so a pretty solid evidence that he was. Okay. And you believe he still point, is involved with somebody else? Um, I don't have any evidence of it currently, but I think mm-hmm. that there was something there on some level. You know, I can't say for sure how far it went, okay. but... Mm-hmm. There was stuff there. Okay, so the question I heard though was this. Okay, he wants me to make an agreement that now, 
and that you believe that whenever you do the agreement, that that's just going to be the, uh, the thing, the impetus for him to go ahead and file for divorce. And what I'm hearing you say is that you feel that if you delay doing that, then you delay his filing for divorce. If in the meantime, you guys are somehow making some kind of progress in your relationship, then that makes sense to me. Delaying the divorce, if if indeed there is something you can gain from that, in other words, you're becoming friendly with each other again, you're having conversations that are not acrimonious and difficult, those kinds of things, then it would make sense to me that you delay that because, you know, you have a possibility then of putting things back together. If on the other hand, he's moving further and further away from you and becoming angrier and angry with angrier with you, then the question would be, then what do you actually feel that you're going to accomplish? I'm with you. I hope that it does not wind up being a divorce. But while sometimes fighting a delaying action can actually be to your advantage, at the same time, if, if you're not able to do something to create a positive thing, as we talk about it, we talk about the concept of pushes and pulls. And so if, if things are happening that push the other person away, sometimes those things are essential. So, for example, you were to say, I've got to have this much alimony. I've got to have this much child support. And that's what you really needed. In other words, you weren't doing it to to be, have vengeance against him or something like that. You really needed it. Then we'd say, yeah, that's a push, but that's a push that needs to happen. That's an essential push. And you don't give up those. But if there are other pushes, things that are not essential, then we say, okay, if you have a chance of putting a marriage back together, then you're better off to eliminate pushes as best you can, just not the essential ones, you keep those, and to create pulls. So if, Donna, there's any kind of a pull there, anything that's pulling him back you, like you're becoming friendly again, you're having conversations where you can enjoy each other again, anything that's a pull, we'd say magnify those as much as you can. But if all you have is a push, if that's all that's going on right now, then the question becomes, is this push worth it? Is it something that's actually going to accomplish what you want it to or not? And so if, for example, what you're doing is making him angrier and angrier and he's pushing further and further away, and it's not something that you need to do that's essential by making sure you get whatever child support you need, those kinds of things, it's always your option. You can do it without a doubt. But the question we would ask is, what really do you hope to accomplish by that? And so fighting a delaying battle, I've often encouraged people to do it particularly if the other person's making any kind of a change whatsoever at all. But, but if it's not helping, then you have to ask yourself the question, why do I do this? If indeed you are convinced he's going to divorce you anyway, do you really want to make it more acrimonious or do you want to create some kind of environment where you guys can communicate friendlier? But at the same time, and I agree with you, don't let yourself be run over. Don't become the, the floor mat. Don't let yourself be taken advantage of. But you sound to me like the kind of person that's not going to let that happen anyway. And now we're going to move over to Indiana, and we're going to talk to Ashley. Hi, Ashley. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am fine. Ashley, are you on a speakerphone or something, my friend? Yeah, I'm sorry. Hold on one second, please. Okay. okay. All right, good. And it says here that you're worried that your spouse may be taking advantage of your kindness. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm going to try to give it to you in a nutshell of our situation. My husband and I, we met in ministry. Um, We've done ministry our whole marriage. We've been together seven years. And um, so we got together, um, 
and we pretty much did everything, you know, the way God says you're supposed to do it before you get married. We didn't have sex, anything like that. And um, so this past year, and we have three kids now. So mm-hmm. this past year um, is when it started. He was actually supposed to get ordained as a minister, and it didn't happen because some things happened at church and different things like that. And he mm-hmm. became very, like, discouraged after that and, like, almost went into, like, a depression. And then mm-hmm. from there, it was like he gave up on church, gave up on God. And then before I knew, mm-hmm. he gave up on me. <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. it just kind of just went downhill from there. And, like, I did everything I could to kind of help him, like, you know, encourage him, different things like that. But it was like he totally just, like, let go of everything. And then, like, mm-hmm. he started – getting on chat lines, and then I found out he was going to strip clubs, all types of crazy stuff that was just so far-fetched from the man that I married, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, he ended up moving out in April, and this is all happening while I was pregnant with our third child. Um, Mm -hmm. I just had her in June, so she's only eight weeks now. But Mm -hmm. um, he moved out in April, and he has his own place and everything. And he said he was going to file for divorce back in November. He's never filed. I've asked him multiple times. But in the midst of him leaving, he was still coming over all the time, almost every single day. And it wasn't like mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to spend time with me. It was like he would still want to do family things. He would still want to take mm-hmm. me to family events. We're laughing together. We talk about everything. It was like he's still my best friend. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but why are you doing this stuff? But he claims he doesn't want to be married, that he thinks we got married too young and he wasn't ready and all of these different things. And Okay, At so this is that point, what you like, about when you say that he's taking advantage of your kindness? Is that what you mean that he's coming over and and participating in family activities? Is that is that what you're yeah, referring? Yeah, like yeah, and then still saying you want to be divorced or still you know messing mm-hmm. with other women or different things like that. And he doesn't have a relationship, mm-hmm. but it's more so just like having sex with random people. I know it sounds terrible, but it's like he has no connections to nobody. But it's like he's still. And you know, like, you know for a fact that he's actually doing that, that he's having sex with other people. I know. I know that for a fact. I've seen it in his phone, you know, so okay. I, I know for a fact. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So what do you want but, to do, um, actually? At this point, just a couple of weeks ago, I let him know, like, I can't keep doing this with you. Like, you say you don't want this, but your actions show differently. Like, you obviously don't hate this relationship because you're still always with me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to choose either do you want to work on us or do you not? So I let him mm-hmm. know, like, you can't just come to my house and hang out anymore. You know, if you want to work so on something, we have coming? to work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he stopped coming, coming but he still, he still tries to talk and different things like that. But it's like, I just don't really know what to do at this point. Like, do I just so when you let say take go? advantage of your kindness? When you say take advantage, how is he taking advantage of you? I feel like basically trying to have his cake and eat it too. Like, I can still have my family and still do whatever I want to do, you know. And so not the way that, that you're being taken advantage of is that you're being friendly and you're interacting with him, and that somehow takes advantage of you. I feel like. It, it messes with my emotions because I'm okay. like, I still want my marriage, you know? So no it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, what do I, like, I don't understand, like, I don't know how to still keep the door open to for reconciliation, but still protect myself at the same time emotionally. Okay. And protecting yourself emotionally is a big deal. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's, that's very important. 
you know, we talk about a thing actually sometimes called the valley. Let me explain that if I may. And I'm going to explain it not just in our conversation with you, but to all the people who are listening out there. The valley is when a person is in a situation where he or she feels like they don't have to do anything different than they're doing right now. So sometimes the valley is because, you know, like a husband in your case would be involved with another woman, but also trying to maintain sometimes some kind of a relationship with you, even if it's just friendship. But it doesn't always mean it's another woman, another person. It can be a lifestyle. Now, here's a lifestyle, and that's the case you're describing here. I'm trying to live that lifestyle. I want to enjoy that lifestyle, but at the same time, I want to be around you and have a relationship with you. And when they don't feel like they have to make any kind of decision, like, you know, I'm right here in the middle of all this. I don't have to decide one way or the other because I get to keep doing this, but actually still gets uh, keeps being my friend. When they're in the valley, it's up to you as to whether or not you're going to make a decision to change things. Now, it's always your decision. We would not tell you what to do. But one thing we would ask you to think about in a situation like this is the following. If, if indeed progress is being made where he's moving back toward you. In other words, when he's coming around, well, you've stopped that now, but when he still communicates with you, wants to talk to you, if you feel like that is leading back, even if it's doing it exceedingly slowly, but you feel that that's moving you back toward your relationship, then sometimes it's worthwhile to tolerate the valley for a little while because of the fact that well, we're making progress. And if I push things right now, if I demand an end to that behavior, then he may choose to go that way, which is always the thing. If you decide to put an end to the valley, if you look at him and say, that's it, either you get back over here and do the things you need to do for us to put the marriage back together, or you quit calling me, quit talking me to me, quit coming around our kids other than when you get your time with them, and because I'm not continuing a relationship with you anymore. So either come back or go away, make up your mind, it's one or the other. Whenever you make that kind of decision, whenever you put your foot down for that, understand that they may go one direction, they may go the other. And so we say, if you're going to put your foot down like that, be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way prepared that his decision may be, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to chase that person. Or I'm going to chase that fantasy. I'm going to chase that lifestyle. And if you're willing, if you're at the point where you say that that's worth it to me because it's hurting me, and even if he chooses to go the other direction, I'm going to do that because of the fact that I'm going to be able to live with that, handle that, I'm ready for it, because I can't live like I'm living now, then we'd recommend if that's where you are and that's what you feel, go ahead and do that. But if you still have some vacillation about that, if you're still thinking, no, no, I think I want to give it a little bit of a chance, a little bit longer, that's when we'd suggest, okay, maybe you need to let the valley continue a little bit longer but only if you find that there's some progress being made back toward you. In other words, some development of relationship with you, even if it's gradual, even if it's small. And so that's the situation you're describing, actually, and only you, only you can make that decision. And you might be saying, but it hurts. Well, I'm sure it does. So typically we suggest to people, if you're going to make this decision, don't think just in terms of pain. Think in terms of damage. Are you being damaged emotionally 
by what's happening if you let him stay in the valley? Or are your kids being damaged emotionally? Even if he's being damaged emotionally, you can consider that. And if that's the case, then often that can lead you to know, okay, I need to pull the plug. I'm going to put my foot down and say, make a decision one way or the other now. But if it hurts, yet is not damaging, pain, but not doing real true damage deep inside you or your kids, then you may, you may want to tolerate it a little bit longer. Yeah, I know. You're thinking, well, can you give me specifics? Unfortunately, this is more of an art than a science. If we had a specific science, I guarantee I would tell you when he says this or when he does that, you do that. But it's more of an art. You've got to kind of play it by your heart, by your emotions, by what you see going on here. And so if you're done with him, then be done with him and tell him that's just it. You can't do that anymore and come around here. But be ready. If you put your foot down, there is a possibility he'll want to come back to you. There's a possibility that that'll be the end and he's going to pursue the other with all of his being. If you're ready for that, if you can handle that, then that's a decision that you can make. And now we're going to move over to Josie in Wisconsin. Let's see if I can get Josie on here. Uh, Josie, are you there? Hi, Dr. Beam. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Good. Uh, yes, I can. I see that you have a question about your husband won't move on from the past. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not sure where to start. Um, probably six years ago, um, after our son turned two, he, he quit his job and and just the tension built up between us, and slowly I could feel him disconnecting. And then about August of last year, he went away on a trip. He didn't tell me where he was going, and then when I confronted him, he lied about it. And he just said, we're done. He didn't want to be with me anymore. He wanted to find peace and happiness with someone else, and that, you know, he wanted more supportive person about mm-hmm. his business and his wishes and, and mm-hmm. that we just weren't compatible and mm-hmm. that we could never agree on anything. And so, um, you know, I did all the wrong things. I pleaded, I cried, I apologized mm-hmm. and asked, you know, for him to go to counseling. He said nothing was wrong with him and he didn't believe in counseling, but then he stayed for a few months he wouldn't leave but he wouldn't work on us and so I finally just Mm -hmm. put my foot down and said you know if you're not going to work on us then I I can't have you here I can't see you every day and Mm -hmm. so then he moved out nine months ago Um, he still periodically you know he comes around because we have a son so we we Mm -hmm. share a son back and forth and once in a while he'll come to things I invite him to and and Easter, you know, he gave me a hug after. Mm-hmm. I thought we were so moving Josie, in the right direction. understand something here. When you say that he won't move past the past, what does that mean? I, I think it's just he says all the resentment from he thinks he was being controlled. I was being controlling. And so all that resentment in not supporting his business um, in being upset when he quit his job in just – so he's blaming you for certain things. Yeah. He's blaming you that, that you weren't as close. And when you say he won't move past the past, you mean he's still bringing those things up and holding those things against you. Is that correct? Yeah. And when we do have a, a nice moment, 
then he gets angry and, and says I'm being manipulative and controlling again and that I'm trying are to make you, him feel guilty. Are you, are you doing anything that's manipulative or trying to make him feel guilty? I'm just being nice. I'm inviting him to things. Okay. I'm trying to, you know, send him nice thoughts, things that I think might help his business. I'll send him an article I see mm-hmm. just to try to keep that, that connection and okay. yet it just pushes him away or makes him angrier. Well, if you're doing what you just said and you're being nice and friendly and kind, do you really think it's pushing him away or do you think he's pushing himself away? I don't know. It just hurts. Well, I'm sure it does, Josie, and I'm so very sorry for the pain. But, you know, when a person looks at you when you're just being nice, you know, when you're just being kind, that kind of stuff, and, and say, stop doing that, that pushes me away. Typically, it's not about your behavior. Typically, it's about what they feel. Is this, is this a man whose moral system beforehand would have been against what he's doing now? Yeah, he didn't believe in divorce. I mean, his father had been divorced and his brother and, you know, his father's side of the family. And he always said, didn't believe in divorce and now he's pushing for divorce. Okay. So he's living in contradiction to the belief in value system that he's lived by most of his life. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Okay. Josie, you do know, I'm sure you do, that that when a person is doing things that lead them to feel guilty within, when other people are nice to them, it actually magnifies their guilt. Not not every time, but many cases it does. It actually aggravates their guilt. It's like, like I deserve to be punished, or you should be pulling away from me, or uh, every time you're nice and kind to me, it it hits me right in that guilt thing because I know the right thing to do, but I also know what I'm doing. Does it? Would you think that would mean, Josie, that you should stop being a nice person to him? Well. Sometimes I want to be upset and mad and, and fight back, and you, but I can't. Well, you can. Josie, you have a right to feel what you feel. And again, I'm so very sorry for your pain. I'm not telling you that you should get mad and yell at him. I'm not telling you that that's what you have to do to make things work. But I'm telling you that it's quite all right to feel those emotions. That's very human. That's very acceptable, and it's okay to feel that way. Josie, but by doing what he's doing, my guess, of course, I don't know your husband, so I'm having to speculate. My guess is we have a man who is what we would call cognitive dissonance. What I mean by that is we have a man who is doing something he knows is wrong, and it's tearing him up inside. And so he's in his anger at that because that causes great pain inside and that his anger at that has to manifest itself towards somebody. And when you just being the sweet Josie do those kind things to him, the anger gets thrown back at you, but it's really not about you. It's about a man living in contradiction to his own belief and value systems. And it's apparently based on what you're describing, it's apparently tearing him up. So while my heart breaks for you, I would hope that you would embrace the fact, my friend, this is not your fault. And and being sweet and kind is not a bad thing to do. At the same time, if you feel anger, 
It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's human. And if at some point you want to tell him that you hurt, that's okay too. It may get a reaction that's going to be much like what you've seen so far. That if you were to say to them, I'm in great pain because of what's happening, there's, there's two possibilities. One possibility is that somehow that reaches inside of him and he calms down and becomes nicer. The other possibility is that because of his guilt, it makes him even tougher and that more accusatory toward you. But what's going on here, Josie, is nothing that you can control. It's, it's really a battle taking a place inside that man. Josie, are you a religious person by any chance? Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming, therefore, you have prayed about this. Yes, every day, okay. every night. Um, may I suggest something to add to your prayer life? And if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. But add to your prayer life this. Lord, bring him to his senses. Create whatever situation needs to be created, whatever circumstance needs to occur, to get him to realize what he's doing and to come back to the man that he used to be. And, and I actually pray that kind of prayer for people sometimes. Lord, even if you do something that's going to cause some pain, you know, like if you're going to bankrupt him or whatever, whatever you want to do, Lord, if you will somehow help this person realize what he or she's doing and come to their senses. But Josie, at this point, I don't know how you could do anything different than what you're doing. The, the problem here is not you at all. It's a man doing something he knows is wrong and it's tearing him up inside. Being there, being understanding, being compassionate, probably for a while is going to continue to evoke negative emotions from him because of his guilt. But also, also it's the kind of thing that when he finally begins to deal with this, if indeed he does, will actually attract him back to you. That the person who was able to love me in spite of all the crap I did is Josie. I don't think that's going to make much difference in the short term based on what you're describing, but I think it can make a lot of difference in the long term based on your describing. So Josie, so I wish I go through with the, he keeps filing, he filed for divorce and he acts like I'm holding him back from it when, when mm-hmm. it doesn't move forward. I don't know what, do you to have do. an attorney Josie? Yes. Okay. I would strongly recommend that you follow your attorney's advice. Whatever he or she says, that's what I suggest you do. And I know that divorce sounds scary. It's like this big, terrible thing. But, but we have worked with so many thousands of couples and, and while divorce, you know, is a big, scary thing for you and I get it. It doesn't mean it's over. It means that even if that takes place, even if that occurs, okay, that still that man inside of him that you knew and loved, if he's still inside that man, if he's still in there somewhere, whenever he reemerges, even if you're already divorced, there's always a possibility of putting it back together then. Now, I know you don't want a thing like that, but we've seen it happen so many times. And so when it comes to the divorce, all I can recommend, my friend, is whatever your attorney guides you to do, that's what I would recommend you do. Protect yourself, take care of yourself. Even if it makes him mad, you take care of yourself, you protect yourself. And what you're looking for here, if there's any hope for this, is going to be in the long term, not the short term. I wish I had a better answer for you, Josie. I really do. But I think this is going to be a long-term thing. Does your program still work in these cases, or... 
kind of I'm sorry, too I didn't far hear. gone. Does oh, she too far gone? Yeah. Uh, Josie, we run into many situations where people think somebody's too far gone. And, and we run into cases where everybody in the county would say there's no hope for this. That person's so far gone, it's never going to turn around. It's never going to change. And we've been doing this for a quarter of a century. And so many times I've seen that turn around. So many times I've seen that turn around when everybody had given up hope. Nobody thought it could ever happen again. So, Josie, when do I give up hope for a couple? Well, when one of them marries somebody else. Or if one of them, God forbid, dies, that's when I give up hope. Otherwise, because of the experience we've had with so many thousands of people, so many thousands of couples, you know, I believe there's always hope. I really do. And then we're going to move on to Virginia, and we're going to talk to Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Rebecca, I see that you're having a question about your husband moving back in during reconciliation. Is that correct? Yes, sir. What does that mean? Um, so just a, a little bit of background. Um, we've been physically separated since May 9th um, after I discovered an emotional affair on his part. Uh, he moved out, started divorce paperwork, um, and that's when I discovered Marriage Helper, worked on my pies, smart contact. Um, and about a month ago, that's when he started to um, – he actually deleted the divorce paperwork, and he started to move back towards me emotionally. Um, and now we're at the point of the exploration phase of reconciliation. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a coach with marriage helper. Um, mm-hmm. But right now he's been asking uh, a couple of times over the past two weeks um, when he can move back in. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. I'm like, we might mess something up or that uh, rushing back into things it might be a little bit too deep right now and then I still have Mm -hmm. some hurt from the things that had gone on and I'm mostly just scared to let him back in because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be hurt again Mm -hmm. a couple of questions about that may Rebecca Uh, since you already know about the exploration phase how do, you, how do you know about that? Because that, uh, we don't typically talk about that a lot in, in the public forum. So how do you know about that? I'm curious. Um, I am part of the Marriage Helper course, um, mm-hmm. the Save My Marriage. And then also I've been watching a lot of the YouTube uh, videos and then the podcasts. And I heard the, the different E's of reconciliation. And we worked That's through the, e, the E's and now we're mm-hmm. on the exploration. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you heard that one of the podcasts, so you heard kind of a brief description of what that is. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, and okay, Rebecca, it's really up to you here. Okay, and for those out there, if you'll allow me, Rebecca, for a moment, what she's talking about is we have an E system of reconciliation, and we've been working on developing uh, a pretty detailed video series to explain how to do that when it gets done it's going to be about four to five hours of videos and half hour segments about four to five hours of videos explaining how to do it in great detail so far i've only mentioned it very briefly on the podcast we do talk about it in detail and with people who come to our workshop so they get a deeper level of that and our coaches are being trained on it and rebecca says she has one of our coaches so that rebecca pardon me while i just spoke to the audience for a while and come back to you what mm-hmm. i'm hearing you say is that you're afraid of him moving back in for emotional reasons yes okay. mm-hmm. 
And is that fear that if you let him back in, that, that things won't change, it'll be like it were, was before? Is that what you fear? Yes, exactly. Okay. And that he will hurt you again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you want to do? I would like to have him back in the house. But not right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's quite okay, Rebecca, if you want to take a little time to do this, because if you're just an explore step, there's, you know, several steps left in that E system to go through. And mm-hmm. if you were to tell him, okay, I'm, I'm happy we're working through this, but I'm not quite comfortable with you coming back yet. How does that affect him? Um, I know that he's, he's eager to move back in. He wants to move back in. He said he wants to spend more time together um, and that he wants to do things together before I'm a teacher. He wants to do things before I go back into the school year since we have a little Mm -hmm. bit of time left in the summer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, there's nothing really stopping us from doing that now when we're separated, Mm -hmm. spending more time together and doing things together. Um, so I'm I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for him to move back into the home. I understand. And if if that's you know too big a risk for you right now because you think, well, I just don't know that emotionally I'm ready for that to occur, it's your choice. You get to make that choice. But sometimes you can offer the alternatives, which is what I just heard you saying. Like, okay, we can do a lot of those things without him moving back. And so maybe, maybe the next step, and it's just an idea, I'm not telling you what to do. Maybe the next Mm -hmm. step would be, I'm not ready for you to move in here yet, but this is the uh, alternative I'm willing to offer. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this over here so that we can spend more time together. In other words, really think through what that alternative would be. Okay. Really think through what that alternative would be or what those alternatives, plural, would be. And then offer that instead and say, you know, we're going to move into this a step at a time so I can feel safe. And, and if he reacts like saying, well, you can trust me, be safe now, I wouldn't argue with him. I would just say, I understand that's how you feel, but I'm, I'm asking you to understand how I feel. And this is the methodology. This is the path forward with which I feel comfortable. And so I would recommend that you just find some alternatives to help bridge between those two things. And, and not let him move back if you're worried about it, afraid of it, until you feel comfortable. Now, you do realize that you may never reach 100% comfort before he moves back. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're aware of that, right? Yes, yes. Okay. But you want to feel more comfortable with it than you do today. Correct. Makes sense to me. You sound like a pretty smart person. Are you one of these people who analyzes things and figures them out in, in detail? Yes, I'm I'm very much a researcher. Mm-hmm. I, I can kind of tell. And good for you. <laughs> good for you. And so that would be my recommendation. Figure out the alternatives, the bridge in between the two, where the, he gets some of what he's looking for, but you also have the safety that you want. And uh, you sound to me like the kind of person that can figure that out brilliantly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, you're very welcome. You take care of yourself, Rebecca. And be careful when you go back to school. Uh, we hope that you don't get any kind of a virus when you do that. We want everybody to be safe. And now let's go to the great state of Tennessee and let's talk to Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Are you there? Uh, yes, sir, Joe. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. 
Now, I understand that your wife is speaking to her. You must be on a speakerphone there, Kyle, are you? I, I just turned it off. Okay, good, because I was hearing me twice, and that confuses me. <laughs> I understand that your wife is speaking to her ex-boyfriend. Is that what you're asking about? Uh, yes, sir. Um, just dealing with Limerence and, and her ex. Um, mm-hmm. We've been together for 17 years, uh, since we're 17 years old. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, started dating. Um, she was with her boyfriend, this ex now, for about two years. Uh, they broke up for about eight months, got back together for a really short amount of time, a few weeks. He broke up with her really bad, and then me and her got together shortly after. Um, we've been married for about 14 years, two kids. Um, and we've let things grow stagnant, as most marriages do over the years. Um, and uh, a few years back, she told me that she... Uh, her feelings are changing for me and everything. So I did some changes to try to uh, make things better. And I thought things were good because she acted like everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then I caught her talking to her ex-boyfriend at that time. And I said, well, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, just a conversation. It was, you know, them telling each other that they loved each other and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I-, I confronted her. I said, Hey, look, you know, um, it's not something that." Uh, you should really be saying to another man while while you're married, you know, uh, mm-hmm. are you wanting to work this out? And she she did. Um, fast forward to about a month and a half ago where she dropped the, the D word on me. She wants a divorce um, because mm-hmm. she is, quote, unquote, um, loves me but not in love with me. And she's not mm-hmm. sure she ever loved me. Um, and so is she, is she still involved now with the other guy? Well, so that's where yesterday comes in. I was scrolling Amazon photos with my daughter and everything, or looking at memories and all this good stuff. And I come across a conversation that she had screenshot. And it was a recent one with her telling him that they loved each other. So I confronted her about it again yesterday. And it, it wasn't out of anger. I, I practiced my pies. I just said, hey, um, I noticed this. I, I just want to know what I'm dealing with, what I'm up against. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are going to be going to the marriage workshop here shortly. And mm-hmm. I said, look, you know, I just want to know what I'm up against. Are, are you still in love with him? Are you guys still talking? And that's where it all came out that, yes, she's still in love with him. Uh, they're still mm-hmm. talking. And I brought up how bad he treated her back in the day and everything. And, you know, it's like, you know, like he wasn't the best. So I'm worried about my kids uh, around him. Um, and that's when she actually started bad mouthing him as well. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at currently. Okay. I'm thinking she's in the third stage of limerence. But okay, I kind, of, kind of got lost in this story a little bit. So how long altogether has she been involved with this guy? So um, it's probably been about three or four years at this point okay. um, that they've been talking. But but sometimes she actually says negative things about this guy. Actually, that's a, that's a key there. And and you said you guys are coming to our workshop. Is that what I heard you say? Uh, yes, I finally got her to agree to come with the workshop, and that's just so it, she's going to basically prove to me that there's nothing I can do, and there's no way that we can change okay. this. Cool. But and when are you coming going. to the workshop? Um, we were waiting on some money to come back from a purchase that we made that was messed up and got doubled up on. Once that comes mm-hmm. back in our account, then we're going to purchase uh, okay. from Rusty. 
Okay. All right. Good. If if that happens to happen, if that you know, well, I kind of surprised that for you. By the time we do the the workshop on August fourteenth, I personally am doing that workshop. I don't do all of our workshops, but I'm doing the one on the fourteenth of August. And uh, I would kind of like, you know, if you, if you can work it out, obviously. I mean, your schedule is your schedule, but would love that you guys are in there. My recommendations are these, Kyle. If she has agreed to come to the workshop, then my suggestion would be don't do anything that pushes anything at this point. No, no pressure. Because of the fact that uh, a lot of the things we talk about in the workshop, and we don't attack anybody, we treat everybody with absolute and total respect, but we also talk about a lot of things that help people get insight into themselves, get insight into each other, get insight into how they feel about themselves, each other, and if there's somebody else involved, insight into those kinds of things, things that we're able to do that would be pretty doggone difficult for you to accomplish, not not because you're not bright, I'm sure that you are, just because of the situations and circumstances of how we do those things. And so if you if you're convinced that she will come and that will be relatively soon, my suggestion would be don't do anything that pressures. Just kind of ride it out a little bit and and then let us and again, we won't pressure her either. We will not twist her arm. We will not try to coerce, manipulate her in any shape, fashion, or form. But but the educational process that we go through is quite uh, revealing to people about themselves and about what's happening there. So did I sound like I'm just trying to put you off? I didn't mean to if I did. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Well, that would be my recommendation right now. And if indeed that relationship is three into the fourth year that got long, then uh, it has run a lot of its course already. So, Kyle, without sounding a whole lot, well, I don't want to sound like a commercial, so let me just kind of stop right there. My suggestion, my friend, is just kind of lay low, be cool, and, and since she's agreed to the workshop, come as quickly as you can. And forgive me if that sounds like I'm sloughing you off. I'm not. I just think that's the best solution for you. Okay. Yes, sir. If I may ask, what part of Tennessee are you in, my friend? Um, I am in uh, Cleveland, Chattanooga area. Okay. So down south of us, not too terribly far away. But, of course, right now we're doing the online workshops. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, can we just kind of delay our conversation t- until after the workshop? Yeah. Then if you want to call me back. We'll talk more, Ben. How about that? Yes, sir. 100%. Okay, Kyle. Thank you so very much. I appreciate that. And now we're going to go to the great state of Illinois, and we're going to talk to Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Good. Well, yes, I can. And what I'm reading here is that your husband says he forgives you, but you don't feel it. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, lots of things on many issues. Um, actually, the caller that you had before was from Wisconsin. I think it was Sadie, the one whose husband, she's been really kind to her husband. Um, mm-hmm. That's a very, that struck a chord with me because that's um, our, our marriage, according to my husband, the downfall part of it had to do with some anger issues that I've had, that they, they mm-hmm. say I've had, and I'm not denying it, but there's some depression involved in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked on Try, I'm getting better right away. I mean, I've been going to counseling, everything, and um, he can see the changes, but he's reluctant to believe them or to see them. It's like I'm constantly being brought to those mistakes again, or he mm-hmm. just sees the negative. He can't see the positive. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I feel that he doesn't forgive me for that, and he's also not forgiving himself because there's an issue with my children as well where they they feel the same as my husband in that they um, they feel like I was being unjust to them when they were younger, and mm-hmm. they side with their father. And so there's a forgiveness issue there, which I'm trying to repair the relationship with the girls. And mm-hmm. he feels the guilt towards them as well because um, he let that happen. So it's like okay. he might but actually forgive ask, me, Nick, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let me ask, he, he let what happen? I'm, I'm not completely understanding uh, oh, this. Uh, I guess, oh, that's fine. Just, just the fact that my anger got away from me. Um, I didn't, I was never physical with the girls. Uh, just, you know, sometimes with the, when they're just being in a depressive state and having mm-hmm. too much going on in my head, if um, I got angry at the girls for something, it's like it was, it, it got, in, it, it became a, a bigger I guess, issues than it should have been. And how long have you been Um, in therapy for this now? Um, I'm actually, well, I've been in therapy for a couple of years. um, And the anger, you know, I don't know if it was truly anger. I've been told to some degree that it's not, uh, when I talked to my therapist, that it wasn't really anger so much as it's just the way I was brought up because I have a strict background. Um, My family my parents are, are immigrants, and mm-hmm. my husband is not of the same. He's from here, and he grew up here in the okay. States. So it's a very... I'm so is your anger under control presented. now? It, oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't... I don't... I'm not, I'm not angry. Um, even when he's, he says what he says, it's, it's hurtful, but I can never... There are things that have been done in the last couple of years as we've been through separation that a lot of my friends are like, how could he do that to you? Aren't you angry? And I'm like, I, I can't be because I, I, I know where he's coming from. I feel personally that he's depressed now, that he's going through something similar. Mm-hmm. And I just, I have a, a, a spot where I just can't do that. But I don't know how mm-hmm. to, because we were getting okay. along and then we don't get along. And I wonder, because the girls are involved. He's, and how old are you they? Know, he to them. My children, um, I have three. And the oldest one is in her, uh, she's 23. And the next one is 19. And the youngest is 14. But the youngest one doesn't feel the same way as the older two. Okay. And so the, the two that feel that way, uh-huh. if, you, if you were, and I'm assuming maybe you may have already done this, but if you were to sit down with the other two girls and say, how can we, how can we resolve this? How can we get past this? Would they be uh, gentle, open, and have a true conversation with you about that? Or do you feel they would just attack you? Um, they, they, they would attack me. I've tried to do okay. it in therapy, but they, nobody wants to come and nobody, my husband doesn't, he doesn't want to jeopardize his relationship with the girls to actually. Um, and these are your biological daughters? Yes. Okay. And so the daughters yeah. want nothing to do with you. They have decided that you are blank, whatever blank is, and therefore want nothing to do with you ever again. That's what you're saying? To some degree, yes. They don't contact me. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I try. I reach out just to check in with them. Mm-hmm. I, if I hear something through the grapevine, positive. I, I mm-hmm. try to acknowledge that in some way. But I mm-hmm. don't get responses as much. I mean, okay. it's coming around a little bit, but very, yeah. very rare. Good. Well, I'm glad it's coming around at least a little bit. And if I heard correctly a couple of minutes ago, you said that you and your husband are separated. 
on the way to divorce. So I'm kind of like that Sadie's person or whoever mm-hmm. was from Wisconsin. Um, he's do you have interaction with each other? Do you actually uh-huh. communicate with each other or is it just him saying things to you that are bad? Um, well, we we were learning how to communicate. I mean, funny story is we've actually, when we started the divorce process and I, I was nervous about the communication because he's hearing it in a different way than what it's what I'm trying to present to him. We were going to therapy mm-hmm. for communication and that seemed to work. Um, unfortunately, the therapist was no longer available a couple months back. And so it's mm-hmm. sort of starting to falter again and go downhill and the communication process is breaking down and he's getting tired. So whenever and, you talk, it goes badly. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Or he's, he's uh, on edge. He feels like it's going to go badly. I think that's part so of it. So he anticipates that you're going to do something that's going to upset him or make him angry. And based on that yeah. anticipation, he's on edge. That's what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, he okay. tends to have a very defensive posture. Okay. But what I'm hearing you say is that the reason, and, and I heard you say pretty clearly that others are saying, how can you let him treat you like that, et cetera, et cetera. And you're saying, well, I understand because this is coming out of the past. As you know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're having a good therapist, then you know this already. You know that people who uh, have been through these kinds of traumas, the kind of things that you've been through and that your kids have been through, that it takes a while to get past those things. And for you then to become a different person, and I don't mean like a whole different person unless that's what has to happen. And I don't think that's what I'm hearing here that in this process of learning how to control the anger, learning how to deal with the lifestyle with which you grew up, the stridency of your parents, those kinds of things, the cultural differences you would have with your husband because he grew up in one way and you grew up in a different way. All that kind of thing takes time. And, and we, none of us, can force another person to change to be what we want them to be. Well, actually, let me clarify that. We might temporarily force another person to change to be what we want them to be, but they'll quickly resent that, and as quickly as they can get away from us, they'll change that. And so it's pretty clear, based on what you've said, and I'm just going on what you said, that the relationship with your husband and your older daughters is based on what happened when you were Younger and dealing with the anger, those kinds of things. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you found a therapist that's helping you with that. It's not surprising that they won't go to therapy with you. If they already have it locked into their heads, this is what mom is like. This is what my wife is like. She's not going to be different. She's not going to change. Then they're going to be extremely wary, which is what you described, and not likely to believe any changes. And therefore, the only thing that you can do, because you can't make them respond differently, is to change or continue to become the better you. And that's the only solution. And to consistently be the better you. Because even if it's unfair or unfortunate, if, you know, in a particular conversation, something upset you and you happen to uh, flare up with anger, whatever it might be, then you know they're going to interpret that as, see, nothing's changed. It's all the same way it used to be. And so as you continue to get the therapeutic help, as you continue to become the best Nikki that you can be, consistency, as much as is humanly possible, consistency is going to be a big, big part of this. And then patience. And as I said to a previous caller, and I'll say to you, I know that people, you know, fight against the divorce. We do, too. We do everything we can to help people not divorce. That's a big thing. 
But if that were to happen, it does not mean that's necessarily the end of things. It could, but it does not necessarily mean that. Because as you continue to become better, healed, I'll use that word since you said you dealt with the anger thing in the past. As you continue to become that better person, you can't um, write off the possibility that things can change in the future in relationship to your husband or your daughters. It very well could, which means that a relationship that finally has, well, a legal end, like a divorce, can actually, with time, be put back together if you consistently do the things that you need to do. Okay, consistently do the things that you need to do as, as to become that best you that you can be. Okay, now I know that's not the answer people want to hear. They're looking for some magic words like tell me exactly what to do, exactly what to say, wave that magic wand and things could be better tomorrow. But that's not the way relationships work. They didn't go sour overnight. They don't get better overnight. But you, knowing what the issue is, resolving that as best you can, continuing to grow and develop consistently and patiently with time, that's where the answer comes. That's where the answer comes. Okay, so we're going to go to the great state of New York now, and we're going to go over to Bobby in New York. Hi, Bobby. How are you today? Hey, Dr. Beam. How are you? I am rocking and bopping. And it says here, you want to know how to let your wife know that you're hopeful, but you're afraid that if you do that, you'll push her away. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. I just, I want to know, uh, I'm terrified of, of saying something and, um, she, uh, you know, re- you know, receives it as a push and, um, mm-hmm. but I let her know that I'm, that I'm taking the steps that, you know, I feel like any human would want their spouse to take and to, to improve things. Mm-hmm. But how do I communicate that? You know, I'll say a couple of quick things then Bobby, how long have you been married? Uh, eight years. Yep. Okay. And how long have these problems existed? So we've been separated uh, for two months. She moved out. Okay. Um, yeah. And the, and the problem, out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she moved out. Why? Why did she move out Bobby? Uh, well, there's a there's a whole list of things that she cited. Overall, it was a it was a you know a, a lack of happiness uh, in our relationship. Um, so um, we're, we're we're a military family, and we lived overseas okay. for six years. And um, the stresses that were put on both her and mm-hmm. I were were enormous. And mm. my assessment of the situation, I can't speak to her, but her, what she feels, but my assessment is that, you know, the, this, we, we had two kids over there. She left a career. Uh, she was struggling with getting her schooling done. At the same time, my job mm-hmm. is taking all my attention. I'm overwhelmed with work. And then we moved back to America, and, um, and the wave just kept on rolling behind us. We slowed down, and eventually it caught us, crashed, and now we're, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just uh, so she's not running yeah. to something. There's not somebody or something she's going to. She's actually trying to get away from something, away from stresses I or do, being unhappy. Yeah, I believe it's it's two, it's both of those. I believe she's trying to run away from me because she she's she views me as controlling, and mm-hmm. she views me as um she views me as uh, someone who's not really trustworthy. But she mm-hmm. also is running towards towards her um 
getting her career back online, getting her education that she's been chasing since she was 18, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. So she apparently, based on what you're saying, sees that if she stays with you, that she views to be controlling, she'll not be able to be the her that she's becoming by pursuing education and a career. Is that, is that what it is? Sounds pretty good. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And so you wanted to know that you still love her and that you would like to put things back together, but you're afraid that if you say that to her, that right now she's interpreting anything you say in negative ways, correct? Yes. Uh, I'm essentially, I feel like sometimes I'm living in a, in a fantasy world where me listening to you and Kimberly, uh, you know, and, and doing all this, the pies and everything, I feel like I'm living in this world where I'm, I'm healing and everything's going to be okay. But if I tell her and I get a, a negative response, then all of a sudden my bubble is shattered. So, but, but mm -hmm. I need to, but I need to let her know. I need to let her know though. So there's let her practical, know what do you need to let her know? Let her know that, 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 that I'm, that I'm, you know, taking steps every single day, you know, mm -hmm. um, to, to be a better person myself. But also, and the reason you need to let her know that is what is why. Um, well, in my mind, because I feel like that would make, let let her see that I care. Yeah. Okay, I get that. You know, Bobby, there's there's a couple of ways that people can know that you care. You know, you can tell them, of course, but when you have a person that's not really listening to you. You know, for whatever reasons, they, they've kind of walled themselves off from you. Then telling them often doesn't work because of the fact that it's like, yeah, yeah, right. But, but demonstrating it, that's the most powerful way to do it anyway. And so for you, becoming the better you, for example, you said, okay, I kind of live in a fantasy world is what you said. And, you know, I'm going to be okay if things can work out. But then she does something negative and it likes bust or burst my bubble what we would hope, Bobby, for you, for your own sake, is that, that as you continue to become the better Bobby, the best Bobby you can be, things we talk about like physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, those kinds of things, that, mm -hmm. that you concentrate on doing those things for you, no matter how she reacts, that you do those things for you. Because if you're thinking, how is it going to affect her? And then you're making progress in some of these areas, but it doesn't affect her positively. In other words, she tends to move the other direction. That's when you have that burst bubble. That's when you kind of want to kind of want to give up, like, well, it's not working at all. And so we urge you not to think about in terms of how it's affecting her, but to focus on how it's affecting you. Because if you focus on how it affects her, you'll get discouraged and you'll quit. But if you keep focusing on how it affects you, you'll keep on doing it and you'll keep becoming the better and better Bobby. Now you said you have kids. So therefore do you guys still have interaction with each other at least to some degree? Oh, absolutely. So this is probably as amicable as, as it can be. Um, and my, mm -hmm. you know, how I view it, um, you know, I got the kids uh, whenever I can have them the weekends. And if I have a, an extended weekend, I have them, you know, then and basically 50, 50. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the interaction tends to be positive. Um, good. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. So Bobby, I understand you wanting to tell her. I really do. I, I need to tell her this so she'll know, but I think the more powerful way, if 
if you can be patient enough, okay, and I understand it's so tough to be patient when you love somebody. I get that. But if you could find somehow to be patient enough to demonstrate, just to demonstrate it, rather than telling her I'm becoming a better person, you just keep showing her you're becoming a better person. Because if, if she's trying to get away from you because she feels you're controlling and that kind of stuff, then you're consistently demonstrating that you're not being controlling is the best thing that you can do, that you're listening, that you're understanding, that you're supportive of her, that she doesn't have to think the way you want, act the way you want, feel the way you want, that you can love her and accept her just as she is. If you can demonstrate that consistently enough, and you won't do it perfectly, nobody does, but if you can, can demonstrate that consistently enough, long enough, you don't have to tell her. She'll see it. Yeah. Now, she won't just see it overnight. It'll be a gradual kind of thing, like, well, you know, Bobby's becoming a different guy. And she won't even consciously realize that for a while. She'll know it and notice it before she ever realizes that she notices it and knows it. Do you have that kind of patience to do it that way, my friend, that kind of patience? Oh, yeah, I'm in the military. I got... <laughs> I got tons of patience, <laughs> but but it, but but it it hurts. You know, it's it's painful. But yes, Doctor Beam, I, I got those patients. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know it hurts because you love her, but but don't give up, my friend. Just keep becoming the best you you can possibly be, Bobby. That's going to be the answer in the situation you're describing here, and and that definitely can work. Okay. And so now we're going to move to the great state of Louisiana. I'm going to talk to Mike. Hi, Mike. Are you there? I'm here. Hello, Mike. Yeah. Oh, okay, we got Mike. Hey. Yeah, I see here that says you're trying to get your wife to forgive you. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been separated. Well, we've been married. It'll be 13 years in October. Uh, she moved out in March, so we've been separated almost six months. Uh, been trying to reconcile for, I guess, about a month and a half. Uh, Mm-hmm. been a lot of back and forth, you know, it seemed like every time we're moving in the right direction, she gets scared and she pulls back again, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to get her to, uh, not me trying to get her. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do to get her to change that narrative. You know what I mean? She says she see change, she sees changes in me, you know, and, uh, you know, I was very controlling, judgmental, mm-hmm. all that crap. Uh, got sober, mm-hmm. but well, when she moved out, I got sober and I think that helped clarify a lot of things within my head. But anyway, Good. Uh, Good. She can't let. She doesn't seem to let go of the fear. The fear that mm-hmm. what we were is just what it is. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the hell else I can do. You know. I mean, I know <laughs> give it time, and you mm-hmm. know, I I get all that. You know, be the best version of me. I I, I get that. You know, just I don't know if there's anything else I can do to help her understand that this is safe. That I realize. You know, I'm 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 very disappointed in myself that it took her moving out for me to realize how yeah. bad I was living. You know what I mean? Well, some of us are like that, Mike. Some of us are like that. We have to learn the hard way. I'm I'm, I'm one of those people, too. I learn the hard way. Now, you said you've been trying to reconcile for a month and a half. What does that mean? Well, uh, just been kind of spending time with each other. You know, every time we do spend time together, I mean, it's we have fun. You know, we laugh, cut up. You know, it seems like we're mm-hmm. connecting on a level that we've never connected before. It's just having a lot mm-hmm. of fun, you know, it just, uh, mm-hmm. like, for example, last Monday, she came to the house, she ate supper with the kids, we hung out for hours, you know, and, and Tuesday mm-hmm. came around and, you know, she said, uh, how we needed to quit spending time with each other, you know, and 
you know, it's like every time there's two steps in the right direction, there's three steps mm-hmm. taken back. It's like she gets mm-hmm. she gets fearful. She's told me before that in the past when somebody hurts her, she writes them off and that served her well. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, I guess that's her storyline, if you will. You know what I mean? That could um, be, but it appears from what you just said that she's not completely written you off. Like you said last Monday, she came around and you got us had a good time. You laughed and it went on for hours. I mean, I understand that it scared her and she pulled back a little bit. But if she'd completely written you off, my friend, you wouldn't have had an evening like that, would you? No, no, I, I, I know it. Just I'm hoping at some point she doesn't. Like she's told me several times before, you know, like I just don't know if it's not too late. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she says, she sees the love in my eyes, you know, and, and she sees how much mm-hmm. I love her. And, and you know, mm-hmm. one time she sent me a text. She's like, you know, it, uh, we were together total for 15 years. You know, she's like, you had 15 years to love me the way you say you do now. I'm just afraid that it's too late. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what you can understand. To do. <laughs> yeah, but you can understand that fear, can't you? Well, here's what I'm going to do for you, Mike. It's not ready yet. We've been working on, and, and it's taken us forever. This pandemic is just slowing everything down we do because we're actually busier than we've ever been. But we're working on a video series about what we call the E-System for Reconciliation. Now, it's going to be in half-hour segments. It's video, half-hour segments. When it finally gets done... It's going to be four or five hours altogether, and there's a kind of thing where that if if she would be willing, you could say, look, it's not, it's actually not a commitment to reconcile. If you go through this series, it's only deciding, it's only looking at, it's, well, let me say it this way, it's only considering whether you might want to reconcile. Now, when that's done, I'm going to ask my team to write down your name and write down your telephone number. Uh, by any chance, do you have... Uh, a client representative with us at Marriage Helper that you've interacted with before? Yes, sir. I've talked to a fellow named Mark a few times. By Mark. Okay. Then we're going to need to pass the word on to Mark. Here's what I'm going to tell Mark. All right. I'm going to send word to Mark that when this video series is done, I'm going to give it to you as my gift. Okay. It's going to be from me to you. And this video series one of those times when you're having a good time together, you know, when you're enjoying each other, say, look, this is a thing they developed over there at Marriage Helper. And, and it's not about a commitment to reconcile. It's about if we were even going to consider the possibility, what should we think about? And so it's actually an, an idea of exploring whether we might reconcile. And if she would agree wow. to go through that with you and you just watch those videos, go through them step by step, you might want to use one of our coaches as well, but I'll give you the video series. It's just going to take about six more weeks at least for it to be ready. Can you be patient for another six weeks, my friend? Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, you know, I told her, you know, I understand it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, I'm not doing the push behaviors anymore. I mean, I, you know, I, I realize the chaos I called, uh, I caused mm-hmm. in a relationship with my addictions and just my lack of trying to work on myself. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give it whatever time uh, it takes. I just hope she doesn't give up in the meantime. You know what I mean? Where she's like, you know, it's just too far gone. I mm-hmm. can't do this. It's too painful. So All right. Here's, here's what I recommend. Don't think like that. <laughs> because if you start thinking like that, it's going to lead you to make some decisions or say some things or do some things that are going to wind up being pushes. So just don't let yourself think like that. Like, oh, my goodness, it might be too late. She might decide this. She might decide that. In other words, just operate out of a confidence of, okay, hi, Mike, I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to do the right things. And with time, that's going to have the right results. Now, if you think like that, it'll calm you down some. You'll quit worrying about what she's going to do. 
and that will help you considerably. I just got a message from my team. They've already written it down. They're sending the word to Mark, and Mark will know as soon as this is ready that he'll contact you, and it will be my gift to you. And and Thank if you. you can just still have some good nights, you know, even if they're just occasional good nights like you had last Monday night, then when you finally get it, that's when you can say to her, hey, you know, this is not a decision to reconcile. It's just a way to explore whether it might be a thing to do or not. And it doesn't call for any commitment on your part at all. Let's just work through these videos. And hopefully yeah. she'll say yes. And hopefully you'll work through that. And you guys will put this thing back together, my friend. I mean, That's I know hope. she does. That she she said that, you know what I mean? Like in that text, mm-hmm. about, you know, you had 15 years and all that. She said, you know, I want to run back to you. I I I want to come back. I'm just scared. You know what I mean? Good. And mm-hmm. I, I just I hope she can get over that fear. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. Think positive, my friend. Think positive. And when that thing's done, it'll finally come to you. Okay. And then we're gonna move over to Guam. I don't think I've had a call from Guam before. And we're talking to Marlene. Hi, Marlene. Are you there? Um, yes, I'm here. Okay, Marlene, and it Hi. says that you're going through a rough patch. What does that mean? Um, so we were in this place um, even last year, and um, I actually went did some marriage helper tips and we were able to get back to a good place, but I feel like I think uh, we both regressed, and especially on my part, and mm-hmm. we're back to a worse state, and it seems like um, he's, we've been like in separate rooms, and I kind of initiated everything, and um, but I'm feeling really bad about everything, and so we're like in separate rooms, and now he. Mm-hmm. So what is the what is the core issue, Marley? What's the core the problem? Core issue. So the core issue is um, a lot of maybe uh, I know I've acknowledged a lot of control, a lot of um, maybe manipulation, and um, there's been you know neglect issues um, on a lot of on his part high expectations and um uh, like a third person and j- just a lot of um real deep issues that's happened over um a okay. few years and so and the control is that him controlling you or are you controlling him me it's mine and that's a lot of like control abuse and um anger and over the course of and I've acknowledged this um some time already so I'm I'm in counseling um I've been seeking different programs on anger but that didn't work out because they don't think I have those issues and I feel like sometimes I'm just a lot impatient and you know it affects my family people around me somewhat I, and so I anger like, has been kind of a lifestyle for you then? Is that like you treat a lot of people no, with anger? No, um, no. It's more of control issues on his part, like on my part that he says. Mm-hmm. And what are you afraid of? What um, are you, why are you controlling? What are you afraid is going to happen if you don't control? Um, that things will probably get chaotic and 
I feel like because I've managed um, the home so um, long and quite well, I feel in my head, and I feel like um, there's also a lot of insecurity on my part, and that leads to control as well and abuse. And so control is protecting you from what? I don't know. Just from feeling bad and insecure, I guess. Okay. And how long have you been living with these feelings of fear and insecurity? A long time. Okay. Quite a long so time. Yeah. before you met him then, right? More than likely. Okay. And you said that you've looked for some help for this, but that, that nobody's been able to help you with this, this fear and that leads you to control? No, just the anger part. But I everything just kind of just started and um, re, um, I guess it, 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 like since COVID happened, it was put on, on hold. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we're just, um, I've just been doing it on my own and okay. everything's in the very initial stages. Okay. Well, yeah. when it comes to things like control and when it comes to things like fear, Okay, and even anger. Let's just talk about that kind of generically for a minute. Anger typically is based on pain. When people are angry, the right question typically is not, what are you angry about? The right question typically is, what hurts? What's hurting inside of you? And then when you tell me that, that you, you know, tend to want to control things around you, that typically, not always, but typically comes out of fear. That fear of something's going to happen that I don't want to happen, which can also tie back to that same thing of hurt or pain, like some kind of pain, some kind of hurt you experienced somewhere along life or maybe experiencing even now. Like, I don't want to have that fear. I don't want to have that pain. And therefore, the anger comes out when I feel it. And the way I try to main, try to control that is just to do that, is to control. The way I control my own pain, my own hurt, which is my anger, is I try to control situations around me. And so the situation you're describing, Marlene, doesn't really sound like it's a marriage problem. It sounds like that I'm not saying that you're insane or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying somewhere, somehow in your past, somewhere in your life, these things have happened to cause that. And it's pretty tough, pretty tough to figure that out on your own. You know, where did that come from? How did that happen? How do we fix it? Now, I do understand the COVID thing makes it really tough and seeing people tough. But just like you're calling me online from Guam, I'm imagining, I'm assuming you can find someone who can help you with those things. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I don't deal with that. But but it surely sounds to me like, Marlene, that it's not a marriage problem at core. At core, it has to do with the pain inside of you and the fear inside of you. And that's not to put you down. That's not to say anything negative about you at all. You sound like a really nice person. But if you can somehow find somebody who can help you with this, I would think if you could find a way to deal with that, then it would give you a way to deal with the marriage. But I would think that would come first. I apologize for having to end and stop at this point, but I'm out of time. Uh, The two o'clock has come. My program has come to an end. Marlene, I hope you find the help. I I hope everybody else there, everybody listening to us will have a good life. And thank you for being with us in this program. Sorry I'm out of time today.